Do you know who I am? I'm not Christopher Walken, but if I was, I would download the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. These two guys are funny. So please, subscribe to this podcast or I'll stab you in the face with a soldering iron. Kids, it's your old pal Sanders. And your old pal Liv. <laughs> I, I was expecting you to say more than that. I guess um <laughs> I guess it wasn't as easy to follow along. I should have prepped you a little more. <laughs> We'd like to thank you for downloading. <laughs> Sanders, comma. <laughs> <laughs> it shows you what you get when you try to do something new. Uh, either yeah, way, well, we, that's what makes the show so nice. I don't think so th- good. The fresh, unrehearsed, uh, you know, fact that people know we're sitting here in underwear recording these things from our parents' homes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'd like to thank you for downloading the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. If you're keeping score at home, this is episode 38. We are. Yeah. Depending on how you look at it, Livy, we are either one month away from our uh, one-year anniversary. Yep. We are 14 weeks away from our 52nd anniversary. So I like to cut that down the middle and call it uh, episode 50 will be our hallmark uh, anniversary. That puts us somewhere uh, late. November, early December, a couple weeks after we had recorded our first episode, which went live on November 11th, um, and we only we only missed an episode here or there, um, yeah, you know, around holidays, a couple ten day gaps between episodes. So you know, I guess 52 would technically episode 52 would kind of mark the the um, you know the proper. One year anniversary of a of a of a weekly podcast, but you know, usually after that, people you know celebrate episode one hundred, episode one fifty. So we're gonna go with fifty as our um, as our shining moment. What we won't right, be what we won't be doing is bringing in any special guests because that that never works. Yeah. What we that won't, never works. What we won't be you doing. MVP, it never works. <laughs> what we won't be doing is discussing uh, or breaking down uh, Syracuse University's bowl chances. No, no, because that's that is also box office poison. Chances are, what we'll be doing is pretty much what we're doing today: uh, is sitting around in our parents' house, bitching and complaining about something. Talking a little Syracuse University and commiserating amongst two middle-aged single men. Ugh. Terrible, terrible. <laughs> I I actually was thinking it's funny you bring up the year the year anniversary because right before I signed on to this, you know, I went and took a leak, and I was thinking about. Uh, now this basically all began with a email and a dream sent by you, and I, I have found that email. 
Dated 11-5-13. No way. Yeah. <laughs> hey, dude, the other day I was randomly thinking of that USC game at MetLife. It dawned on me that weekend was the most fun I've had in a long time. I don't know how much we got to throw this all on the air. But long story short, that was the uh, like uh, that was the genesis of the name Two Sorry Excuses, which started out with just sorry X hyphen excuses, you know, and and that's the that is the <laughs> the genesis email that began this whole thing. Well, as as so, as our good friend Mike Peters can attest, most ideas that come from me start with a catchy name or lyrical catchphrase. There could be no substance behind it whatsoever, and most things aren't. Uh, for example, my first uh, bar and restaurant idea uh, was a place that served uh, only draft beer and um, fresh-cut french fries called Suds and Spuds. It sounds like that could be a big hot thing in New York for about six months. Yeah, we've also covered um, my gourmet jelly, uh, peanut butter and jelly idea. Jelly's, yeah. Jelly's Last Jam. That always gives that a good chuckle. That was one of our first shows. Yeah. Yes. And then uh, my gourmet grilled cheese shop, Cheese Louise. Yeah, which I believe at the time we discussed it already been stolen by some... Uh, enterprising New Yorker. So that leaves Two Sorry Excuses as my only viable concept to execution product. Hey, man, it's never too late for suds and spuds. <laughs> yeah, speaking of which, I'm going uh, to head over to the doctor soon for uh, a little physical. been getting myself back in shape, doing a little exercise. Um, while I'm there, I'm going to get retested. Uh, for my allergies, because it's probably been about uh, maybe probably 22 years or so since I was yeah. first uh, diagnosed with a a beer, an allergy of beer, rum, wine, and whiskey. Yeah. And uh, somebody told me at, at some point, um, and I remember hearing this and, and didn't pay much attention to it, uh, that allergies run in cycles. And if you're allergic to something at one point in your life doesn't necessarily mean uh, you'll be allergic to it at another point. I don't know if that's everything or just food allergies. But Yeah, Jacob, uh, when I started working with him, you know, we were good buddies in high school. And then, you know, we went to college and slowly we went our separate ways. And then we started hanging out again when I started working with him, you know. And... You know, I found out when he got there that he's allergic to shellfish. I'm like, wait, I remember us eating, like, shrimp, you know, stuff like that in high school. I remember going to places and not being a problem. He's like, it was, like, discovered, like, when he was in college. Crazy. You know? I mean, um, I don't really want to test my allergies because apparently I had a, a bad allergic reaction to um, to being stung by a couple of wasps. You know, um, I'm not talking about like wealthy white people. Uh, <laughs> Buffy, Miffy, Skippy, and Boo. Balls. Yeah, nobody. Uh, I'm. I can't even think. That's how I, how far removed I was from wasp. I can't even think of any wasp from college, <laughs> but I'm sure there were some of them up there. 
You know, it's a lot easier to think of other types of people. Um, <laughs> did I ever tell you the story about the time I got stung by the wasp? No, no. Uh, it was when I, it was, um, when was it? It must have been between my maybe third and fourth year. Yeah, that's what it was. You know, after junior year, when I was up there during the summer, I was working for Bill Etson's company, Landscapes Complete. Yep, yeah. Or as I like to call it, Landscapes Incomplete. <laughs> because we'd always be going from job to job without completing the the one we were on previously. <laughs> and... um. Jamie Secor, you know Jamie Secor, right? Uh, yeah, um, Matt Matt Coquette's mini me. Yes, uh, former SU swimmer, uh, Syracuse Tiny and DJ Extraordinaire. <laughs> Jamie, she sells seashells by the Secor. Um, so he was he worked for for Bill too, you know? Like he actually worked worked for Bill, like uh. Like he even drove the trucks doing the snowplow and doing the winter for him. Yeah, because he was up there uh, for he, he was up there for a while. He was my year, I think, or the year before me. Yeah, he's from Syracuse. Oh, is he? Yeah, yeah. I think he went to like ESM or something like that. Okay. Yeah, so he's he's a local, so he's up there all the time. So he was like DJing at Lucy's and also Fagan's, you know. And he was working for Bill. Uh, so we cut lawns uh uh together you know and um so i was with jamie and we're out there like in fayetteville uh which is kind of rural actually you know it's not far from where that wegmans was that really great wegmans out there yeah yep but where we were was like you know it was deep suburbia you know and we were cutting this lawn at this uh house and I see this big wasp hive, you know, hanging off the tree, classic, like, cartoony-looking uh, hive, you know? And as I'm cutting the grass, I go by, I'm on this riding lawnmower, you know? And I go near it, and I stop, I'm looking, I'm like, what the fuck? You know, I was just kind of amazed by it, and I was like, all right, I better start moving. And before I could move, a couple of them came, one got me in the back, one got me in the front, you know, of my head. Oh. <laughs> you know? You know, and this is where it really gets kind of cartoony. I was like, oh, damn, I was stung. And uh, so we go to the truck. I'm standing outside the truck, and Jamie goes to the truck to call Bill, you know, because Bill's Mr., you know, he's like the know-it-all man, you know? Right. Uh, So he starts, he calls Bill, and this is back in the day of the, the mobile phone. Bill had one with a cord that was attached to his truck but we had one that we carried in in the bag you remember those the cell phone was in the bag yeah yeah holy shit this is 1997 or 98 you know it must have been 1997 yeah yeah okay all right all right because 1999 i was in law school and i remember there were a select group of people especially the older you know 30 something year old um law students who had jobs uh, and money they actually had some of the newer handheld cell phones so yeah i would guess anything before that's probably bordering 
on they Zach did have Morris. handheld ones because I know my parents had gotten handheld ones probably like in '95 or something, you know. Okay, all right. But they were big. But this was the one. But but it was still very common to have these ones with the cords, you know. Right. That you either had attached to your car or that you had in this bag, you know, so you could bring it other places. We had the one in the bag since we had the. Bill had to have the one tied in because he was he ran the company. You know, he had the nice truck, and that was a perk of having the nice truck, having the one that's always in your car. Right, right. Because that's the only time those phones were used was when you were driving. It was a car phone. Yeah, exactly. You know, you didn't think of, oh, I'm going to be walking around on this phone. Right. Uh, so he goes and calls Bill, and, and Bill's gone over what the symptoms of an allergic reaction would be. And he's like, while Jamie's gone, I'm staying outside. I'm starting to itch all over and getting this pins and needles feeling. I can tell that I'm having a bad reaction. You know, I can feel like my face swelling up and everything. You'd never been stung and before? I was stung by, and this is about allergies uh, showing up that you didn't previously have. When I was little, my parents uh, used to own these apartments. You know, and we'd go over there and cut the grass. And this was in Uptown New Orleans, right off of Magazine Street, actually. <laughs> uh, Kate is in Constance Street, was the was the area. All right. Uh, which is uh, between uh, Constance and Magazine were parallel. Cadiz Street was where the apartments were. Or as the British say, Cadiz. Um, and so uh, they had this banana tree back there, and I was over there doing something, you know, and I got stung by a bee. I remember hurting. You know, they, it stung me on my ear, and my ear sw- sw- was swollen, but that was it, you know? Right. This is, you know, what's this, 15 years later or something, and uh, and James asking all these things like, oh, are you feeling this? Oh, uh, do you feel pins and needles now? He keeps asking me, and finally I'm like, fucker, I'm allergic. We don't need to go through <laughs> more tests. Call 911. <laughs> 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 so he calls nine one one, you know, and uh, and because we were uh, kind of out there, we were down like this secluded road, you know. Yeah. We had uh, we had to drive to the gas station, you know, which was there not far from that Wegman's. I I don't guess, you know. And the ambulance met us there, and and the thing is, you know, all the glands start swelling up cutting off your your air passages you know like you can't speak yeah yeah and you like start hallucinating because you're you're, oxygen deprived yeah it's really crazy but so they're putting me in the back of the ambulance they're loading me in and they're asking jamie's questions you know and they're like well what's his name and uh, how you saw jamie starts spelling and i'm like and he was totally butchering my last name <laughs> and i want to scream out no motherfucker it's not like this but i couldn't even talk <laughs> uh, so <clears throat> how do you like what's the what's the like the triage for that they shoot you with an epipen they shoot you up with yeah they shoot you up with epinephrine okay yeah so well, why don't they do that right away well, I think they did do it right away, but you go into such a bad reaction that they need to bring you to the hospital while you, you know, they bring you there to observe you, basically, I think, you know? In my uh, in my mind, here's, you're laying in the 
ambulance turning purple and Jamie Secor is stumbling through your uh, personal bio while they're taking information old school on a pen and pad and you're you're dying but that's they they jabbed you first I think they must have I mean I can't remember because it is like a hallucination yeah 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 like so, I'm in I was in the back they they probably just shot me up you know and and they throw you in the back because even though they shoot you up, they still need to bring you, take care of you, you know, because people die from allergic reactions anyway. Yeah, yeah, all the time. So, yeah, so, I, so I'm in the back of the ambulance driving, and I literally felt like I was hallucinating. Like, it was like, wah, 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 you know? And then, and then like, I blacked out. I don't remember shit. And then I remember being in the hospital, Krauss or whatever it is, right there by the campus, you know? Yeah, yeah. Right there by Fagan's. And um, I don't even know how long this was after this happened, you know? I, uh, uh, I'm, in the, I'm in a bed there, and I'm shivering. It's the middle of summer. It's 80-something degrees. But I'm shivering because the chemical reaction, you know, from the allergic reaction... Your body exerts so much body heat that even though it's hot, you're cold. Okay. You know, because your body temperatures drop because you've exerted all your body heat. And what I remember is they still had an EMT person in there, paramedic. And, it's, and I'm, uh, I come, I like came to, you know, and I'm like shivering about. I'm like, oh, and, and she's the only person there. I was like, I was like, please, can you get me a blanket or something? <laughs> and you know what her response is? Is oh, uh, the hospital staff doesn't really like us gone and just helping ourselves to 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 stuff like that. <laughs> I was like, lady, I'm freezing my ass off. <laughs> like I can't. Like it was like the most, the least empathetic thing you could say. You right. Know? Right. Yeah, so, about that. Well, yeah. um, I was like, I'm like, I'm here freezing my ass off in the middle of a summer day, and I'm getting caught up in this friggin' turf war between paramedics and nurses. You know? Right. Right. Like, like some kind of bullshit rivalry they have. Right. <laughs> and at the very least, just walk. Be you know, be like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna go get you something, and then yeah, just, why'd she even have to tell me that? If that's the way it is, yeah, sure, that's the way it is. But don't tell me that. Right. Go and deal with it. So, right. she, so she comes back a few minutes later with a blanket, and I'm covered up. And eventually, you know, I think Jamie was like, oh, you're all right, or whatever. And I, I left with him. And the next day, because I'd still go work, like, one night shift. At, I'd work a couple of nights at Fagan's. Because John Dellis used to let people do that, you know? Even though the bar wasn't making any money. He's like, if guys are here in the summer, it was like working the Monday during a school year shift, you know? Yep, yep. You screwed around, you played music, you stocked glasses, and you checked IDs. Right. You know, it was, and it was just like, a, basically, it was just a, sh- a shift to hang out with Klaus or Guy or whomever, you know? Because we'd just start drinking, and if it was Klaus, we'd shut down the place like 10 o'clock, you know? right. But uh, I come back the next night in there, and Klaus is like, oh, B-boy! Oh, B-boy! <laughs> you know, it took like a month before he finally quit saying that. Right. Yeah, because it's 
fucking Klaus. If there's a dead horse, you know, he'll beat the shit out of it. <laughs> and that was my experience. After that, you know, I had to carry that EpiPen. And I guess Benadryl, if you get an allergic reaction, you're supposed to take Benadryl right away. So I keep shit like that in my car in case I'm somewhere and something happens, you know. I don't even think about it. My mother's always worried about it. But who knows? Maybe I'm not allergic to that stuff anymore. Maybe once you have the reaction, maybe that builds up the tolerance to it. Who knows? So you keep Benadryl in your car? Do you have an EpiPen too? I don't have an EpiPen because I did have one, but you got to get prescribed the EpiPen, you know? Yeah. And they they expire after a certain amount of time. So it's just like, I don't know. I'm willing to roll the dice considering I'm 38 now and I've been stung uh, twice in my life and only once was it. An allergic reaction, so I'm like, eh, I don't spend that much time outdoors. <laughs> you know what's going to happen. I'm going to get stung tomorrow, yes. <laughs> but I will say this much about you. The the MetLife football game you cite in your email, that day you drink about 20 beers, and I don't remember a bad allergic reaction, do you? Nope, nope, not at all. The, um... The um, the commercial light beers, whether it be Miller Light, Bud Light, Coors Light, um, Paps Blue Ribbon, Paps Nat- Blue Ribbon, Natty Light, all those you know those cheap beers, I think um, have a lot less of effect on me um, than if I were to sit down and have one of Mike Reardon's Chocolate Bunny Double Boxed Out yeah. Meal Lagers, you know. They do actually uh, six different batches of hops. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, a uh, bunch of monks who live in a little hovel in Vermont. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's funny. He just went to a um, he just went to a, a like a Trappist tasting or Trappist. Trappist tasting yeah. or, or something Did along he? those lines. Yeah, I think I'm, I think so. He'll let me know because he's a frequent downloader and listener, fan of the oh. podcast, Mike Reardon. Well, the good thing is it's proof that Mike Reardon has a sense of humor. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, he definitely, you know, he gets some, uh, you know, we give him some rough treatment on the show. <laughs> he gets the knives every once in a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's... Got our picture uh, loud and proud in his dining room. We're nice. St- we're still holding face, literally. Um, and uh, he's a big fan of the show. Big fan of the show. Big fan of the show. Big supporter of the show. <laughs> uh, but I do remember when you started, when you transitioned to the beer at the game. Because the problem was we were in the stadium and you were all right. You had you you polished off like a whole fifth of vodka in the parking lot. Yeah, well, we had tailgating. We started early and we were cooking, and um, just as the day kind of got rolling, I tried to be very cognizant of it's going to be a long day. It's you know I want to watch the game. I want to be in it for the long haul because I've been at games before. You know, we used to go on those Eagles trips, and the tailgate yeah. before them was you know it was pretty expansive. And you get in the game and you're just like, okay, there's no booze or anything here. I can't drink anything. And then you end up just feeling miserable. You fall oh, asleep. Oh, that's the worst. When you're, yeah. So yeah, I, I wanted to, 
I wanted to eliminate that, but the problem with the MetLife Stadium game is we had a humongous uh, weather delay. Yep. Yep, we were in the we had to break out the ponchos and everything. I think it was like an hour and a half of lightning delay or yeah, something. Yeah, which my dad thinks is ridiculous. All that shit <laughs> that pisses him off. The idea that they do that because they used to never do that. Now they do it. It seems to happen once a week. Yeah, you know it happened during the uh, Georgia South Carolina game the other day. Oh, I heard I turned that. It on and I was like, oh, here, watch this because he who's hanging out over here. And, uh, you know, I would turn it on, and Adam Zucker's there on TV, you know? And I'm like, well, where's the – my dad's like, they're in the studio, and then they show – they had the Coach Auburn, and then they uh, start showing clips of the – you know, they start showing footage from last year's Auburn-Alabama game. And I was like, oh, they must just be doing – the game must be at halftime, you know? And then I saw something run across the TV, and I was like, wait, what's that? And, uh, and it's – you know, they it said they were at a, they were having a rain delay or a weather delay, you know, and then they were so they were showing like the whole fourth quarter of the Iron Bowl, <laughs> you know. And he's like, oh, that's ridiculous! Really pisses him off, you know. Which and sucks I, uh, because I was thinking about because later on that night we went to the game, and, you know. Now they're an open air stadium, the two lane game. The week before I had the koozies because they were like. It's going to be 40% chance of rain the whole time. And it never rained. And then last week, the game was at night, and they're like, there's a good chance it's going to rain. So I had, to, I had the ponchos in my back pocket in case it rained, and I came home and still didn't use the ponchos. And I was like, you know, the only time I ever used ponchos in my life was at that game at MetLife. Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, and, then I, told him, and I was like, oh, they had a big delay for that one, too. He's like, oh, ridiculous. <laughs> he did not like that. Yeah, we um we we had to stay on the concourse. Remember, I broke my phone. Yeah, everybody was crushed. Yeah, you dropped your phone. I dropped my phone. That was like in slow motion, man. Shattered, and it was funny because that was like the day before I had a like a busted ass case on it that that just really sucked, and I took it off. And, yeah, uh, I think that was a a drunken thing, like because you were trying to hold like. Three beers or something. And I wanted to take a picture, and I handed off the phone, but there was nobody yeah, there to grab it. Was like it was when you when you forget to hold on to the thing you're not handing off. Right, right, <laughs> right. So Everybody who's ever been drunk know, uh, knows that situation, or even not drunk, because sometimes it happens when you're not drunk. But it's more likely to happen when you're drinking, you know? <laughs> Beer goes on the ground. Like, here, take one of these. Right. And you release two of them, and the person's only grabbing one. Right, right. You know, and I remember I asked you something about about the beer. I'm like, you're not gonna have a problem drinking a beer. And you're like, no, my doctor says I can drink it in moderation. <laughs> 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 he said you can drink a certain amount of them or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, since, since then I'll actually crack open one every now and then And, um, you know, I don't have any real ill effects um, yeah. But in all honesty, they're not necessarily acute symptoms They're, yeah. um, you know, they're kind of lingering symptoms of like Sore throat, swollen glands, ear infections, like things like that, you know like Probably bathroom related issues too, huh? <laughs> 
Those are the worst. But th- I mean, especially knowing your other issues there. Those <laughs> those happen nonetheless. Oh, it's funny. I was in uh, I was at a meeting. I have more bullshit meetings for things I don't get paid for than anybody else I've ever met. But I was a, I was at a meeting in uh, Starbucks. I was I'm doing some volunteer work um, with this. You know, the bullshit mean if it's being held in a <laughs> yeah. Starbucks. So last summer I had applied for this job with um with a nonprofit um academic advising foundation and after a while I'd come to find out that really they were just trying to pick my brain and they didn't have a paid position and they were just a startup and like they had really no game plan. So rather than kind of getting pissed off and and walking away, I kind of integrated myself into their plan and proposed a bunch of stuff that I could work on. And they loved it. They thought it was great. They liked the fact um, that I was the white guy. They'd often refer to me as the white guy. Hey, we need the white guy. Wait, what? They were were all uh, diverse? No, 100% African-American. Because uh, they serve, uh, okay. they serve primarily the Asbury Park and Neptune communities, which are, you know, they have a, a huge um, inner city and at risk population. So this group does really something really cool. They go into you know the other side of town, the west side of town, and um, well, because I live on the east side, so it's literally the other side of town, and yeah. um, they they scout out and identify kids. Uh, or student-athletes specifically who come from particularly bad homes and, you know, don't go on to either junior college or a four-year institution, and they kind of help them out. It's a really good cause, uh, but they're a little backwards. So I kind of got into helping them out, and for the last year I've been, you know, meeting with them semi-regularly to work on projects or whatnot, and, you know, we're making some progress. But while we're in Starbucks... I hear this kid behind me, but I can't, I can't see him, obviously, because I, I'd make a spectacle to turn around. But he must be either on a date or talking to a friend or in a real intimate setting. Yeah. Because he's talking about what he perceives to be um, his alcohol problem. And he's <laughs> like, I just, it just got real bad, man. It just got real bad. I mean... You know, I just I hit rock bottom when I would find myself sleeping on the bathroom floor because that was the coldest place in the house, and it stopped the world from spinning. And I was like, whoa, well, that would have made me hit rock bottom sometime around 1994 because that <laughs> became a regular process. Who doesn't lay on the bathroom floor to, to stop the world from spinning when you're wasted? Yeah, it makes sense. It's 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 the most logical. You've got everything you need there. You got you've got uh, you got cool temperature to keep your body uh, heat uh, your body temperature down. You cool tiles to keep your body temperature down. You've got the the toilet there in case you you know you have an accident or you have an emergency, and and the sink provides you with all the hydration you can need. So uh, basically, what I what I figured out was the kid was a quitter. Yeah. He was a quitter. Hey, was like, a- that's not rock bottom. That's a, that's a discovery, man. <laughs> that's Sunday. What are you yeah, talking about? Like, yeah, exactly. That's like, <laughs> look what I figured out how to do. 
It's I'm so a- resourceful that I know to go sleep on the bathroom floor. It's evolution. Yeah. So, um, I'll tell you what, he certainly didn't, uh, didn't go to one of the nation's uh, most renowned party schools, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, did you see Playboy has put Syracuse in the top ten this week? Now, that's a little anticlimactic after a number one ranking, but the fact that it's Playboy has some panache to it. Because the yes. the ranking that I remember and the ranking that I reference uh, is the number six uh, party school in the Playboy top ten uh, the summer before I went um, – before I went to Syracuse, so 92. So maybe it was around this time. I don't know when they put it out. I'm sure it comes out you know, around the same time every year. But that number six ranking was, um, was a trophy to hold on to. I thought that was, that was pretty cool. Um, number 10, I think, is still, is still pretty decent. Although, the, I, I, don't follow the, I don't follow the blurb um, that, that they give. Uh, with the with the ranking, so uh, Syracuse kids bleed orange as much as they bleed booze, and are shameless in their exploits. All right, so far so good. Okay. Sex in the library recommended. I, I guess that's a that's a big urban. When myth. I went there, when I got there, that was always the rumor that Syracuse was ranked by Playboy for being the best place to have sex in the library. So that's been, you know, maybe it wasn't even real, but maybe now. Uh, the uh, it's been fulfilled, you know, like because so many people heard about it that now it's something that kids talk about. Yeah, like a self-fulfilling prophecy kind the of prophecy. Yes, yeah, self-fulfilling prophecy. All right. Uh, so, Sex and Library recommended braving the hedonism of Mayfest, the annual spring marathon of music and drinking. Advisable. Zed, Two Chains, and Kesha have performed here. So, I don't know what Mayfest is. Mayfest is all stuff that started after us. Okay. Is that, a, is that on South Campus? Uh, no, I think it's just around the campus. Like, Google, go to YouTube and look up Mayfest, and you'll find all kinds of videos of hijinks going on. I think that's where those, I think Mayfest might have also been part of, like, those uh, castle court parties. Because that was one of the things that came out of these um this party ranking that apparently Castle Court, you remember it was a big apartment complex there? What? Like basically between where we lived and the bars. Right on Walnut Park, right? It was a Campus Hill apartment? Yeah, yeah. And and they have a big parking lot. And apparently that became a big party scene, or big old parking lot parties in Castle Court. And I guess a couple of weeks ago or within the month, uh, you know, the university and the local police are like, we're cracking down on the castle court parties from now on. You know, and this is all a reaction to the party ranking stuff. Okay, so this they is... They even have the, the save Q's, um hashtag, and they made a... There was a video, like a two-minute save Q's video, and uh, and basically it's the party school element who... Who's saying they're trying to ruin the school? And the video is people getting fucked up, basically. Well, here's what's going to happen: is um, they are going to be a victim of their own success because yeah, when, exactly. In 1992, after we got the the uh, number six party school ranking, um, they had moved. I forget what it was called. Uh, it was um, 
it was a fall music festival. Yeah. And it, it used to be in Thorn, it used to be right in Walnut Park. They used to set up the stage uh, at one end of Walnut Park and. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I wasn't there for it, but I remember, I remember hearing about that, the one they would do in, in Walnut Park. All the fraternities and sororities would open their doors, and it would just kind of be a big shit show. It got yeah. so out of control that they moved it to South Campus, and it became a real pain in the ass. And, you know, unless you lived on South Campus, then it was awesome. But yeah, you know, you had to take shuttle buses, so it died out really quick. The block party, block party, exactly in the spring. Yeah, the block party concerts on South Campus. Yes, yes, it's a pain in the ass, and nobody—I mean, nobody I know really goes to the. To the concert, they would just go to the house parties that would be held block party weekend. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, but eventually, I guess, attendance, you know, dropped so much that they just kind of did away with it for a while. I think they might have tried to bring it back or was a little That might key. be what Mayfest became. Okay. Um, but I'm looking at, at some pictures. I would think Mayfest. It looks like um, – it is. It's a little more expansive. It looks like it's um, – you know, it, it encompasses more of the campus. Yeah. Which is cool, which is good. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it when they might have brought it back was that, well, we're going to make this more like an actual integration of academics and stuff, you know, which is why I think they brought it back on campus. But, of course, it was really just a reason for kids to throw house parties and and get drunk in the middle of the day. <laughs> Which is what college is about. Yeah. And that's what the argument is about the people I made the Save Cues video. Those are the people arguing for why they they got to stop it from... I think that was the pro-Castle Court party crowd. And I was reading an editorial or whatever from the DO where they're like, the Save Cues people are wrong. Uh, the university's really here for you to... To get an education, not to come here and get fucked up for four or five years. Yeah, <laughs> can't you do both? They're like save Q's the save Q's thing is embarrassing. Was the was the stance of the editorial? Well, the number one this flies in the face of of that logic because the number one Playboy Party school is the University of Pennsylvania. Yeah, Ivy League. They're not the uh, number one Ivy League school. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's true. They Although, have a couple Ivies up there, don't they? Uh, let's see. University of Wisconsin two, West Virginia's three, Arizona's yeah, West four. Is always top five, top ten for all that stuff. Iowa, which is always up there. Uh, Santa Cruz is six. Okay. Miami is seven. I couldn't imagine going to school in Miami. Yeah. Uh, Colorado's well, right. What's that? Mike, Mike Drew? Drew at the school of Miami for uh, a bit. He spent a year in Miami. One glorious year. Yeah. Um, Miami, Colorado State, uh, University of Texas, and Syracuse. Okay. There was some other list I saw with Cornell on it. Yeah, I'm sure. A party list. Right. But I saw something with Cornell. Um, yeah. Well, the secret about Miami is it's not even in Miami. Where is it? Coral Gables? Coral Gables. It's like San Francisco still called themselves San Francisco, even though they're playing in Santa Clara now. Oh, why? How far is Coral Gables from, from downtown? I, I, I think it, 
I'm not sure how far away it is, but I was reading once about it. You know, Miami only opened in the 20s. And the reason I think they called it Miami was for marketing purposes. You know, because even back then, now it might seem very close just by the expansion, the natural expansion of cities and suburbs and stuff. But I think when it opened, it was kind of like, you're calling yourselves Miami? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, it's a relatively, it's not even 100 years old. It's a relatively young school. Right. Right. Yeah, you know, I think that because what the hell else are you gonna call it? Coral Gables University? You know. Ah, you know what? I mean, I, I've only been to Miami a handful of times, and I'm pretty sure Miami only consists of the Clevelander Bar. <laughs> and other than that, there's not really anything else there or anybody that lives there. Um, because other than that, yeah, it's ten point seven miles away from Miami. It's you know it's a pretty it's kind of out there to be honest with you. When you're dealing with metro areas, ten miles away is kind of out there. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but I, but um, that's what I'm saying. Equivalent of the 49ers called themselves San Francisco still when they're playing 37 miles away from San Francisco. Yeah, that could be a two-hour drive on a on a rush hour. Yeah, I mean, according to Google, it's a 23-minute drive from Miami to Coral Gables, but that that takes into account, like, no traffic, basically. Right. Right. Well, so, so you learn something on Two Sorry Excuses. Yeah, you learn about the 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 bogus uh, the bogus that is the University of Miami, the University of Coral Gables. <laughs> <laughs> um. Got a couple other things. Uh, you watch football game on Saturday? Yes, I did. I did. It started out three to nothing, and then we scored forty points. <laughs> so that was nice. Did it look like a drubbing? Did it feel like a drubbing? I didn't watch it. You had texted me at some point that we weren't. Uh, we well, couldn't... we were up seventeen to three. This is what I was texting about. Is we're up seventeen three. We were stopping them. They couldn't do anything. You know our. Our defense was drubbing them, and finally, it was in the second quarter, I guess, where Terrell Hunt, you know, they finally started getting a groove with what they were doing, you know? Which is probably what would have happened had he not been stupid and punched a guy in the Nova game. Right. Right. You know, he probably would have got into a groove eventually, and we would have won the game more handily than, uh, than having to stop a two-point conversion in double overtime. Uh, so I'm trying to think exactly the sequence of events that went on. Uh, okay. So there was like 30 seconds left le- or so, maybe even less than that. I don't know. Left in the first half and they're punting the ball to us. So all we basically need to do is run the clock. out. <laughs> You're thinking, you know. Like, oh, just take a knee and go in the locker room. Well, first they punt the ball, and the, the punt returner waves for a fair catch, and then he catches it and starts running with it. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, he gets penalized for that, and we're inside the five, and you're like, all right, you're inside the five. Just friggin' take a knee and go down or whatever. And then uh, instead... The guy lines up in shotgun, and we lose three yards, you know, <laughs> one-yard line. It's like, 
dude, why are they making it so hard to just end the half? <laughs> he got to the point, he's like, oh, shit, they might get a safety here. What the hell's going on? When all they really need to do is, you know, call for the fair catch, catch the ball, and kneel the ball three times. Who's thinking we're going to see whether we can score an 80-yard drive right. with 30 seconds left or whatever? I'm like, these guys are such morons. Oh, it was so infuriating. You know, it's, ah. Uh. But then the second half, they just kept hammering away at him, you know. It was, uh, oh, we were, this kid, this rookie, this freshman, Irv Phillips, he he comes in the game for a few plays, and he's running nuts, you know. So um, it was night and day from the week before. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a tougher game than that. I know Purdue sucks, but Central Michigan beat the hell out of Purdue the week before. Right. You know? Purdue sucks, but they should have better talent than Central Michigan, you know? Yeah, and listen, Central and, Michigan Central Michigan's put up a fight the last couple yeah. years in, in some pretty— Purdue gave a better game than Notre, Notre Dame had a harder time putting away Purdue than Central Michigan did. Right. You know, I mean, that, that Notre Dame-Purdue game was 17-14 to 14 at some point in the third quarter. You know, but Central Michigan, they kind of were, you know, they, they owned Purdue the week before. So I was like, well, they could be a tough team because that was at Purdue. Now we're playing them at their place, and they're going to be jacked up because this is a home game and a good chance to beat a, to beat a Power 5 conference school. And we came in. You know, things weren't looking great at first. You know, they moved up and down the field on us and kicked the field goal. You know, and but then from then on, it was like our defense buckled down, and you know we started getting the pressure in there constantly. You know, right? And they were having a hard time doing anything. They kept talking about this running back who they have, who apparently went nuts the week before. Who's their best player? Apparently, he did something the night before, broke curfew or something, and was suspended and wasn't allowed to play in the game. But I don't think he's responsible for a 40-3 to drubbing. I think we still win if he's playing. He can't be that good. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had a uh, – inter- uh, oh, that was the first score. We had a – they hit the quarterback. He fumbled, and dude picked it up and ran in for a touchdown. You know, that was our first touchdown was a defensive touchdown. We played well. Um, I think we have a good shot to beat Maryland, and, and that's in the dome. So as long as we play like we did last week, beat Maryland, go to that Notre Dame game undefeated, which they will be showing on prime time and prime time on ABC apparently. So oh really? If we be undefeated, uh, gone into that game. That's going to be kind of a big game, you know. Well, for we, us. we crushed Maryland last year. I don't know. Yeah, beat them twenty to three. They didn't do anything on us. I don't know how they are this year. Uh, I know they're in the Big Ten, so yeah. chances are they're going to underwhelm as the yeah, rest of the were, Big Ten is done. They were getting stomped at one point against West Virginia. Like they were losing like three touchdowns or so. They came back and eventually uh, tied the game up, and then West Virginia won with a field goal as time expired to win forty to thirty-seven. Maryland's just one of those teams that you you don't pay any attention to when you beat them, but when you lose, 
it's a crushing loss because they're never that good. Their uniforms are horrible. Yeah. It's always oh, raining God. in Maryland. Like, Did you see the stuff they were wearing last week? Uh, no. Right. But is it that? You can kind of segue into the story you were teasing with earlier as I finished this. They had uniforms. You know, last week was the uh, 200th anniversary of the writing of um, the National Anthem, you know? Okay. Which was, you know, uh, in Baltimore, Fort McHenry, where it was written. So, uh, so Maryland had that on their uniforms. Their uniforms had that written all over, you know, like in, um, like right in Francis Scott Key's, uh, you know, right in his, <laughs> right in his style, you know, like, like, like as if they took the parchment paper and put it on the uniforms <laughs> and then they had these helmets which had a a turtle, a terrapin, I guess. It looked like Gamera. You know, it was like like if you if you took a picture of a turtle from above, you know. Right, right, right. But right. it was but it was like the flag inside of it, you know, red, white, and blue, and all that bullshit. You know, it was it was pretty ridiculous. And the back of the yeah. uniforms said Triumph. Did they say Triumph? You look in the pictures. Yeah. 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 I I just know it was ridiculous. It's you know they they are the Under Armour test lab since you know he's alum of Maryland. Yeah, it's ridiculous. They're they're like a poor man's Oregon, but half as cool. Well, you know, I read a Wall Street Journal article the other day actually about the big battle is between Under Armour and Nike, and even though they're worth way less. It is, you know, like they're they're worth a few billion in revenue. Nike's considerably more, you know, s- seven times more than they are. But but they, but they like battling with them because now they're the second most prominent sports sportswear producer, or whatever in the country. You know, like they've surpassed Adidas. They've even surpassed them in the uniform thing because Adidas used to do Notre Dame uniforms. Under Armour's doing them now. Oh, are they really? Yeah. And Notre Dame's got these really ugly uniforms now. But, um, but like, they like to tweak Nike, you know? And <laughs> one of the stories was about, like, Kevin Durant, you know, he was a Nike pitchman. Nike was going to sign him for a certain amount, you know? And um, I think they wanted to, you know, they were they were like, all right, they were just going to re-up the deal. And Under Armour pops in. They're like, Kevin Durant, we'll give you this much. You know, and they basically forced Nike. Nike was prepared to pay him two hundred million. They basically forced Nike to pay him like three hundred or three hundred twenty million now or something. Because he's for, he's a DC guy, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, he's from was it Frederick, Maryland, or something like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, it's about um, that's about fifteen twenty minutes outside of the metro area, and yeah. uh, on your way to Baltimore. Yeah, and Nike can obviously afford it, but they definitely had a good time just forcing Nike to pay $100 million more than they wanted to. <laughs> right. So, like, they're just out there to needle Nike at every little point they can right now. So, and and that's the battle over the college uniforms. Every Most of them now are Nike, and then and now Under Armour is the second most prevalent one now, you know? That's amazing, because they're not that old, right? I mean, they got to be... Yeah. 
10. Probably less than 20-year-old company. Yeah, I was going to say 10 or 15 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at this point, it's probably at least 15, but it's probably less than 20. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, And they're good at making ugly-ass uniforms for Maryland. <laughs> they take pride in making ugly-ass uniforms for Maryland. Yeah, with the Star Spangled Banner friggin' typed all over it or... I don't know. And then the, the helmet, it was just a mess. <laughs> I don't know. It's ridiculous. The college uniforms. Syracuse wore the whole, the all-white uniform. Oh, yeah. I didn't, the, I didn't look up any uh, pictures. How'd that look? They looked sharp, you know? I mean, all-white usually looks sharp. It's just, you know, it doesn't need to be done. But, but it's like a lure to recruits and stuff, all this, these... 15 different uniform combinations you can wear, you know? Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, for as much as we bitched and moaned about it and bashed the whole idea, uh, the first thought that came to my head, and I actually had to censor myself from asking you, is, hey, what uniforms do you think they're going to wear for the Notre Dame game? <clears throat> I'd hope for Notre Dame they'd wear something classic. Ah, uh, see, that's funny. Well, Notre Dame might be wearing something stupid because Notre Dame now has stupid uniforms, and they're, uh, you know, it used to be as as crazy as Notre Dame used to get would be wearing the green jerseys. Remember that? Yeah, that would be as crazy as they would get. Now they have like the the one they wore they've worn the uniforms with the big uh, with the shamrocks on the helmet and stuff like that, and the neon uniforms. So I'm sure they got twenty different combinations now. My guess was is that we would wear um, all blue. Yeah, I wouldn't want. I'd want to wear. I'd want to wear an orange. I don't know, man. We got to wear the orange helmets. I hate the all blue. Yeah, I just think that's the cool thing now. You know. Yeah, I know. You know, when I think of all blue in Syracuse. I think about how weird it is. Like when you see those pictures from like the nineteen seventy five. Final Four team or whatever, and they wear those blue uniforms. Yes. You ever see those? Yes. And it just doesn't look right, you know? And, like, at least back in the day when they wore the blue jerseys, it looked all right because the helmets were orange, the pants were orange. You know, it, it, it belonged. I watched a lot of college football this weekend. Um, I had nothing else to do. It was kind of rainy. I had... Um, I had... Uh, what's it called? What's it called when when you get uh, custody? I had custody of the dogs this oh, weekend. Visitation, right? Visita- I had visitation with the dogs this weekend. So uh, I sat around, and watched a lot of football, and uh, almost everybody, including some of the marquee programs, are 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 just uh, monochromatic uniforms, head to toe, and yeah, everybody does it. It's it's the thing, man. So yeah, uh, you know, I think that's and we're gonna. I think we're gonna end up with something like that, um, which, to tell you the truth, at this point, uh, is not so bad. I, I I'm I bought into it. I'm more. I, I yeah. want to see. I, I want to well, see we the train wreck. Year, we wore the blue on blue with the the blue and orange faded helmet. You know. Yeah, but it could be gray. Like, who knows at this point? I'm. Well, they I, have. I think they have a. I think they have a platinum uniform combination, perhaps. Yeah. No, they do. They do. Yeah. So because that's the big thing now too is all these schools like 
you know, I think LSU's even worn something like that. And LSU has a classic uniform that they don't stray from for the most part, you know? Well, the story I had heard, uh, they had probably sometime in – well, it was while, while I was at the NEC, so probably 2002-ish, toward the end of my end of my run there, I had I had run a marketing conference for all the NEC schools, and they yeah. all came into town. And I set up guest speakers, and one of the speakers was a uh, advertising firm that redesigned the Tiger logo for the athletic yeah. department, and. Yeah. They were forbidden from doing anything with the football team because I think Nick Saban yeah, was the coach. The, helmet. the yeah. helmets, the helmets, an icon. Right? They couldn't. They yeah. wouldn't touch it. They weren't allowed to. And yeah, you know, that and was kind of a lot of people hated that redesign right away. Like all the local fans and stuff. Yeah, you because know, it was like it was unnecessary. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it was all. It was just. I don't know. It's just like modern for the sake of being modern, and you know they're going to change it because you know that style's not going to be the one that lasts forever. Sort of that type of thing, you know? Yeah, which we've talked about this ad nauseum in terms of, you know, kind of our like for for that that classic appeal. And and if you're not one of those marquee schools, then go ahead. Change it all the time. Yeah. You know, that that's fine. But if you're one of the marquee schools, why bother? Yeah, it would be like McDonald's changing the the arches. Well, the Browns are redesigning their uniform, and then I saw where on UniWatch. You ever look at the UniWatch blog? Yep. They have thing like uh, warning people: don't worry, they're not touching the helmets because there was fear that they might put a logo on a helmet or something. But they they're changing the uniforms up, but they're not touching the helmets. For some reason, I want to say that. The old Browns helm. Oh no 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 no! The old Bengals helmets used to say Bengals instead. Yeah, of that. the original. Because you know why? Because Paul Brown founded the Bengals. Yes. Which is why it's the same damn color scheme, right. and the uniforms are basically the same except it said Bengals right, on right. the helmets. Yeah, up until the seventies. Up until the very early 80s, like maybe 81 or something, I think they wore those uniforms. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, they were... Uh, I remember I remember they had a Super Bowl team. Uh, they played the Niners. Yeah, every Super Bowl they wore the uh, uniforms we're familiar with. That was the 81-82 uh, Super Bowl, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, in the Silverdome. Super Bowl 16? Yep. Yeah, Ken Anderson as quarterback? Yes, indeed. The, uh, I don't remember watching that one because I was too little. What I remember was the poster we had up in our room because my aunt, uh, who lives in, well, she doesn't live in San Francisco anymore. She lives in Dorothy, a little town up there. She's retired. But she lived in San Francisco, and she worked for this printing company. So they would always be printing all this fucking Niners shit, you know. And it was the Niners Super Bowl season, you know. She'd send it to us. Even though we didn't like the Niners, we would just, you know, she'd send us T-shirts and shit. And we just, you know, wore them because they were clothes and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) 
but we did not like the Niners at all. But I remember that was in my bedroom when I was little. It was the it had like a picture of the goal line, the famous goal line stand in that Super Bowl. You know, because that's sort of I, I guess you can remember that uh, like it was a close game and the Bengals came back, but then they got to the goal line and you know the Niners stopped them on four downs at the one. The um. The only thing I really remember from that game was uh, nose tackle Tim Crumry broke his leg. No, that was the one. That was the second Super Bowl against the Niners. What year was that? That was Super Bowl twenty-three. That would have been like eighty-nine, I guess. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah, that makes more sense. All right. Let me see. Would that be? Yeah, it was Super Bowl twenty-three. Yep. Yeah, that, they played. They played in the Super Bowl twice. Both times it was against the Niners. But that was the Icky Woods year. <laughs> funny. Have you seen the Geico commercials with Icky Woods? Yes. So it's funny yep. now that I'm now that I'm back home. Uh, my parents have table cable. They have television. They have Netflix. They have everything. So yeah. I'm I'm like uh, audio and visual overload because yeah. I didn't have cable. I haven't had cable for. Ten years. You were cut off from the universe. Right. Although I still can't watch a damn football game because all we get is the Jets game or the Giants game without the national game of the week because they share a stadium, so Jets are always on the road while the yeah. Giants are at home. And if the Giants are at home while the Jets are on the road, the Giants will play a four o'clock game and sometimes be the national game of the week. So you Ugh. you never get three football games. Oh, man, that sucks. Which nowadays is criminal because most people are watching every game. Man, that really sucks. It was horrible. Well, that's what I heard about the people in L.A., why they, the football fans out there love not having a team because they get so much more football. Right. You know, because there's no local team. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. There should be. Uh, I was telling my dad that I would totally pay for a team-specific ticket. A, lo- a little like I think MLB might. Yeah, M- I think MLB you do might MLB have a package, package, something like that. Where yeah, you know, I'll pay forty bucks a year for all Colts games. Yeah, and. You know what? Chances are they're going to play two or three games on on prime time because you know they're a marquee team. So whatever, I get screwed a little bit, but I wouldn't care. Yeah, I wouldn't care. I'd, I'd still pay it. Um, speaking of which, speaking of which, speaking uh, of which, tough weekend for hometown teams. Oh, uh, yeah, Colts it's and the Saints. People, people are right. At- Freaking ready to jump off bridges around here, man. I can imagine, dude. Because this wasn't supposed to happen. <laughs> this was supposed to be good. Because <laughs> oh, the offense really, I mean, they got off to a rough start last week, but they still, they they scored every time but once after a certain point in that game, you know? But it's the... Um, it's it's the defense, man. It's ridiculous. And so you know, this week they got the Vikings. 
And the Vikings were nervous about that game, so they decided they were going to allow their uh, child beater to play. And after the uproar of that, they decided early this morning, like 2 in the morning this morning, that he wasn't going to play now. Oh, I saw that. But you know what? Yeah. I, I picked him up on my fantasy team. I felt a little dirty about it, but somebody's got to do it. And Yeah, I actually drafted Ray Rice in the league. Because I was like, I know he's a scumbag, but, you know, uh, he's going to come back. And then and then when all that other stuff started going down, he was going to get suspended indefinitely. I was like, yeah, I'm dumping his ass. Now, so last week when the Adrian Peterson came, stuff came out, I think it was like a Friday when stuff started coming out about him. Right. Just, you know, making kind of a joke or whatever else, you know, or just making light of it. I said on Facebook, I was like, I was like, are all NFL running backs misogynistic sadist? You know, because if you saw the pictures of what he did to that kid. Yeah, I saw them briefly. Yeah, and then I was hearing this, the guy, Bobby Bear and the other guy, well, not Bobby Bear, he wasn't on the radio today, but the guy he works with and this guy, Hokey Guy Jean, who does the, the color for the Saints games on the radio, and they were describing, reading the report or whatever, and it was just like, it was disgusting, you know? And um, and I just kind of made light of it. And then Reggie Bush goes on the Boomer Esiason radio show the other day. And he's talking about beating, basically beating his one-year-old. You know? Really? Did you hear this? No. Was that on Boomer Esiason show in New Boomer York? Was it Carhan? Who is this guy's name? Uh, Boomer and Carton. Yeah, Carton's it was on that show. He went on and he was talking about um, talking about oh, uh, Adrian Peterson went overboard. Apparently, you know, he's like he's like I discipline. He's got a one year old. He's like I discipline my kid, but I try to do it so I don't leave bruises and stuff. What? <laughs> what? Like, what is a one year old? What? You know, studies show that it's. Corporal punishment's ineffective for the most part anyway. But it's definitely in effect. If it may be effective at all, it's not effective with a one-fucking-year-old that doesn't even understand, like, object permanence yet, you know? Yeah, right. What could be accomplished of, with that? Yeah. And he's like, oh, I do this on only bruises. Yeah, do it so you can't get arrested. Is that what you're saying? They don't even... Then, so there's old... another running back who's admitting to being his kid. One-year-olds then, barely walk. Yes. Then tonight I see this guy Jonathan Dwyer running back for the Cardinals, who was arrested for for domestic matter. It doesn't. It was probably a girlfriend or something because one of the charges against him was not allowing her to dial nine one one or whomever it was. You know. So this is another running back from the Cardinals. Now I'm starting to think I just got to drop every running back on my fantasy teams <laughs> and just play with. Tight ends, quarterbacks, and receivers. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. This is crazy. What the fuck is going on, man? You know? I mean, especially this, this guy Dwyer, especially after all this Ray Rice shit. Why wouldn't you think to myself, oh, I better not do some shit like that? This is the worst possible time to get caught doing some shit like this. Right. Yeah. Right. And listen, I don't buy the these are tough guys playing a violent game. 
there's plenty of guys who do violent who things and don't and beat, beat their, their wives and kids. Yes. Yes, <laughs> you're right. It's not, you know, it's not normal, man. Soldiers don't come back from Iraq and just start wailing on their families. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, Adrian Peterson, they talk about him. Oh, he, he's so strong. He runs so hard that he hurts guys on the field. And this motherfucker's beating a four-year-old. You know? I also don't buy that that was how I was raised. Uh, but argument you know what or another discussion. Thing is, yeah. He's like, well, my dad did that to me. He used to beat me with an electrical cord. It's like, yeah, your dad also did a stint in prison. You know? is That's who you want to ro- model yourself after? And some of uh, under that theory some of those dads might have had a drink out of different water fountains might have had to sit at the back of the bus doesn't well, mean that's why i was reading a, a uh an editorial by somebody who was like because every time like charles barkley goes on and it might have been on deadspin i don't know where it was but charles barkley you did you see the shit he said where he went on one of these shows he went on one of the nfl shows over the weekend it was like well, you know, I was raised in the South, and I'm black, and this is how we do it, you know? Somebody was like, yeah, well, racism and slavery and all this shit used to be common and accepted in the South. Should we be doing all that shit still? Right. It's evolution. We evolve, you know? We, 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 we take what's wrong, and we push it out, and we, you know, we, we elevate as a society. Yes. I mean, there used to be all kinds of shit that used to go on. Uh, that we just know that you're not supposed to right, do anymore. You just don't do it anymore. Yes. So, I don't know. I don't know, man. This is, it's just fucked up. Yep. Well, and here, see, I Googled about Adrian Peterson and his dad because, you know, he's claiming, well, my dad used to be an electrical cord. That's why I do it. Here's an article from the Daily News. The headline is Adrian Peterson suffered se- severe abuse by his father, says it helped in his success. <laughs> yes I am so successful because my dad friggin beat the fuck out of me no unreal no. unreal I mean, oh man what else you got because I, I can't take another week I can't, but I'm never, what's that I, what else you got because I can't take another week of this this, no, this is insane uh, man This. what I want to know is what the hell did his dad go to prison for because I, I know it has to be something violent, you know? That's why I just think it's ridiculous that he's going to use his dad as a, you know, as like his example, you know? I want to know how many four-year-old kids he has. Every time I turn around, he's beating another four-year-old kid. Well, and that's what's more ridiculous about it is he had a another kid out of wedlock with this woman who lived in South Dakota or something now. That was the who, kid who the kid died. Was killed. By her boyfriend when her boyfriend beat that kid. Right. Now, I guarantee you that boyfriend thought he was disciplining that child. Right. You know, like, Adrian Peterson was directly affected by domestic violence that that killed his kin, and yet he thinks this is fine. Oh, I just got a little out of control. I didn't mean that to happen. Oh, okay, then it's cool. You didn't mean to friggin' tear up your kid's skin, you know? Oh, then it's cool. You know and what? Why 
you go and beat the fuck out of little kids. If you went and whipped a normal, a regular adult on the street, you'd be, A, they might turn around and kick your ass, but you'd definitely be arrested. You would be sued for assault and battery. There'd be all kinds of repercussions for that shit. But you can beat the fuck out of a little kid, and it's cool. It's crazy. And you know what? In retrospect, I always thought it was kind of funny that at the time, and maybe I didn't pay attention enough, maybe I wasn't following the story, but there was never there was never a public outrage or outcry on by Adrian Peterson in terms of you know this 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 won't stand this aggression you know this is un, uncalled for this you know this is my kid nobody should lay a hand on a kid let alone my kid blah 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 you know yeah. like if i was in that situation i was thinking i would be furious i i would yeah. kill somebody well, he had absol- another part of that was Adrian Peterson had absolutely nothing to do with that child, so maybe he felt completely removed. Yeah, maybe. You know, which is which goes to another whole problem with society. You know, because even this kid, this is an out of wedlock kid, because the reason it was reported was when the kid was sent back to his mother in Minnesota, she was like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He put him on a plane or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't know, man. Jeez. It's it's ridiculous. I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's not like it's new or anything. It's just coming to light, you know? Right, right. Well, please tell you know, me... Man, you, I was going to say, please tell me you went to see a movie with your dad so we can end on a... No, we didn't, but, but you saved the turtle. <laughs> that was the, the Maryland helmet story was supposed to segue into the turtle saving. <laughs> yeah, so um, we live. I grew up in a in a relatively rural town. Uh, growing up, my my mailing address was RFD, which was Royal Maybe RFD. Yeah, that's the same. It's the same thing. Yeah. Rural Federal Delivery. Damn, um, that is a rural area. Yeah, and and there were only a few houses on my road. There's a horse farm across the street. It was a pretty underdeveloped town. Uh, it's since become very, very developed. Um, a lot of urban flight. Uh, there's a, it's a huge commuting center. We're about an hour and a half on a bus from New York. And we had that whole discussion last week about what people around here are willing yeah. to do. And I was uh, went, to, went for a run this morning, went to the park. And ran a few errands, got my oil changed, came home, and I whip around the corner, and um, there's a turtle sitting in the middle of the road. But I was Mm. too close to the intersection to stop. So I drove down the street, pulled into my parents' driveway. We have a horseshoe driveway, so I zipped right around and went back down to the end of the block. Now, I don't have... um, there's no sidewalks. There's no shade trees. Like whatever. If you, if you, there's trees in the yard, well, those are the trees that line the street. Uh, there's a bunch of underdeveloped or uh, undeveloped land between uh, my parents' house and the and the main street um, that you would go. Uh, you know, if you were headed out somewhere. So it's it's you know it's pretty it's pretty it's pretty rural and. Um, a turtle crossing the street used to happen all the time when I was a little kid. And the worst thing to see would be 
a crushed turtle because you didn't make it across the street, you know? Yeah. So we'd always uh, be on turtle lookout. You know, we'd ride our bikes around. If we saw a turtle, we'd figure out where it was headed and, you know, kind of move it in that direction. And uh, so I come, I see the turtle, I whip back around my parents' uh, driveway, I ride back down to the end of the street, put my hazards on, pull over to the side, I get out of the car, I check both ways, and I go to grab the turtle, and he kind of looks at me, and then closes himself up in the shell, but I'm pretty sure he... He's cool, you know. He's a nice little box turtle, but a pretty, pretty big one. I would say, um, I would say, what two, two fists full of turtle, two fists full of turtle. Yeah, I don't know how you'd measure that, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I pick him up for a few turtles more, <laughs> and I pick him up, and and I know he's scared. He goes back in his shell, but. He understands what I'm doing, and we're we're cool. Um, there's a cosmic connection, and his car zips around the corner. Now, at this point, if I had left the turtle there, the turtle would have totally been crushed. Yeah. And um, but now at this point, me and the turtle are going to get crushed because this like Jeep Cherokee kind of zips around the corner, and yeah. it was some young chick. You know, probably in her early 20s, um, zipping around the corner, usually without a care in the world on this street. Like, you know, it's a straight quarter-mile shot. People speed like crazy down it. And um, and she gave me the dirtiest look for being in the middle of the road. Now, granted, yeah. I was in the middle of the road, but I was saving a turtle. Yeah. You can always hang out in the middle of the road if you're saving a turtle. Right. My 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 hazards were on. <laughs> I, I gave everybody forewarning. Yeah. But uh, she wasn't having anything of it, man. She zipped around the corner, gave me a dirty look. And, of course, you know, a minute and a half later, I thought of the appropriate response. But, you know, she was long gone. But What would that response have been? Oh, I would have yelled cunt wagon. <laughs> cunt wagon. <laughs> All right. Nice. I've never used that phrase before. I've never I've never um thought of that phrase before, but at the time it was it was the phrase that would have paid in that particular yeah. instance. Um like I was at the do- I, w- uh, I had the dogs this weekend, so I took them for a, a long walk. Um one it's good to get out. We walked about three miles. That's my exercise for the day. Two, there's no better dog than a tired dog. So yeah. you get them out for exercise, they're great the rest of the day. My guys are pretty high-strung, high so you got to give them a little exercise. And yeah. I was walking them the first day, no problem. Nobody was out at the park, and it was beautiful. So I went back, wanted to reprise the whole situation. And I'm walking them. I'm headed uh, counterclockwise on the loop. There's an older woman with a small dog headed clockwise. We're about 300 yards apart. I'm sorry, about 300 feet apart. And I know my dogs are pretty big. And uh, when they get around other dogs, they get excited. But they'll start to bark. But it's an excited, happy bark. But... It can be intimidating, so I try to keep my dogs away from other dogs. So I walk off the path, still maintaining 
you know, a, a, a good 50 to 100 foot barrier between her and I. And I, I wave, I smile, I give her, you know, the old heads up. Um, listen, I know that you're probably scared. Don't be scared. You have a little dog. It's all good. And we kind of walk by and I hear her mumble something under my breath, and under her breath. That would be yeah. impressive if she mumbled it under my yeah, breath. Yeah, she was throwing her voice towards you. <laughs> <laughs> and him. what what she said was, oh, that one looks like a pit bull. And she shakes her head. Oh, everything's a pit bull now. Right. Now, neither of my dogs are pit bulls. They're yeah. big dogs and they're, they're lab type build so yeah know, they're they're meaty they're husky but they whenever the cops shoot dogs which happens more times than you than you would think i mean like all the time it's always like oh it was a pit bull no matter what kind of dog it is right they'll right. always claim oh that's that's the catch-all for dog that it's cool to kill or not care about pit bull oh pit bull all right that's fine you shot it oh cool <laughs> You know, it's it's ridiculous. It's become the catch-all, you know? Yeah, and that's that's what she's shaking her head. It looks like a pit bull. And I took about three or four steps when I came up with the perfect with the perfect uh, response, but it was too late by then. She picked her dog up, shaking her head, hiding her dog in her <laughs> coat. And it was just, you know, it was just one of those things that, you know, I kind of reminded myself that's, that's not worth it. It's not worth it. But what I would have responded to her was, well, that's funny. You look like an old crotchety bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it, took me, it took me a good half a mile to work that one now out. You just said this. The man with the stale comebacks. <laughs> you need to just have like a whole... You need to write these down so that you can use them in the future, you know? You know what I'll have is like a quarterback wristband where I can look at yeah. them and I know yeah. the, the, the time and situation. And oh, cook wagon would work perfectly. <laughs> but I need to prep myself. When, you know, yeah. I'll, have to, I'll have to be like, okay, well, listen, if a car – chances are a car is going to come. Okay, so it's wagon. Okay, wagon. X wagon. X wagon, you know. So, and then if it's a girl, then I fill in the wagon, cunt wagon, you know. Ooh, what a feisty bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, I'll have to work on that. I have to get better at that. I'm so, yeah. I'm so bad at that. For you know, I, I don't know. People seem to think that I have a quick wit. I, I don't, I don't uh, impress myself. With yeah. with a particularly quick wit whatsoever, I'm a I'm a little behind. I'm a little short, but a little slow. A little yeah, slow. What, what am I gonna do? Yeah, well, gonna yeah. Do? Just gotta not drink so much, man. Mine's <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, now I don't know that. I don't know when I'll hit rock bottom. Maybe I hit rock bottom 20 years ago, and and now I just. You can't go any lower, so you just live at rock must, bottom. Because that was probably the first time you slept on a bathroom floor. <laughs> what you thought was genius was really rock bottom. Oh, who knew, man? Who knew? So, um, as we're wrapping up, just keep this in mind. I'm looking at something right now. Yeah. If we beat Maryland, 
there is the possibility that there may be a ESPN game day in the offing for SU Notre Dame. And there is talk of possibly setting up in Times Square. Just keep that in mind. Interesting. Interesting. So that's what's online this weekend. All right. Cool. Uh, Hey, listen, let me throw this out there. I had an idea. Um, As we're starting to kind of move and groove on some of the uh, behind the scenes stuff um, with the Two Sorry Excuses uh, podcast and twosorryexcuses.com, I was thinking about recording a uh, a post-coital after we record our our show proper and just kind of cover all those things that we always kind of throw out there at the end but they'll have very little entertainment value but I wouldn't mind spending another half an hour finding out about that yeah that thing uh, and I think we we kind of end shows quite often with that, you know, kind of hanging Chad, so to speak. Um, yeah, I mean, if you want to do the spillover or whatever you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that might be something, I don't necessarily know we need to do it today, but uh, keep that in mind. Yeah, I don't know if we do need to do it today, but yeah, I think it's something that we can uh, that we can do. I think we've got enough, um, you know, we, we've got enough wind in our sails, we can talk for another half hour about shit that only we will find interesting and people yes, want to down yeah if people want to talk people want to download it they can download that, it yeah we'll make sure we mark it so you know they know that it's it's an added you know an added content podcast you know we'll call it a post coital or a or a b-side or a, you know something along those lines but um so keep that in mind this way we can all right we can kind all right, of yeah, uh, I will. look at it for the next couple episodes perfect all right man uh anything else no, I can't think of anything else, you know. Just getting prepped for the weekend, man. I can't believe it's only Wednesday. Hey, that's what happens when you're working for a living, man. Yep. It's terrible. <laughs> terrible. Well, then on that so, note, terrible. Terrible, man. Yeah. Terrible. Well, on that note, uh, with apologies to Girk's brother, we'll see you guys yeah. next week. Good night, Fredo. Good night.